Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian. And uh, today we are going to, as you've become accustomed, we're going to shift gears. We're going to take a step out of the book of Ecclesiastes for a minute here and talk about something else. So we, we may be talking about this for more than one week. Cool. This like is like idea. this is like an intro. We can't exhaust this. I think ever. <laughs> we, You're we, right. We th- can't. This is this is just a topic we cannot exhaust. I'm, exa- I'm glad we can't exhaust this. Yes. Because what happens if we come to an end of it? Uh, I think that's the end of all things. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> then uh, then I think we're in the song. I think then we're in the chorus of the song, which right. if you're listening, you don't understand what we're talking about, but we do. So we'll get you caught up. Don't worry about it. So, Steve, what is it that we're talking about? We're talking about how much do you know about prayer? And the answer is, I thought I knew enough, but apparently... I know only a fraction of what is to be known. Yes. I would go ahead and uh, agree with that for myself. For myself, I would certainly agree with that. And um, it really kind of comes into being one of those topics that maybe I just don't know. What I don't know, it's such a vast and robust topic. There's things about prayer that I don't know that I don't know. So I think it's certainly worth uh, spending a week or two investigating. Two weeks ago, Dustin. Okay. I was um, looking at a verse. Okay. And, um, of course, I had to invite my wife for her two cents worth. Yep. And that verse was the prayers... The, the effective prayers of a righteous man are fervent yep. and they avail much. So the question is, is what is this word fervent? That's a good word. What is the word fervent? Should I pull up a dictionary? Well, if you were listening to the sermon on Sunday... Apparently, Jesus exemplified what fervent prayer is. Okay. Well, that's a that's a way to describe it. Um, the unfortunate reality fortunately unfortunate reality is that Jesus embodied a whole lot of different things so what is it about Jesus that is embodying this ferventness um, and I just looked it up quick good let's have your I'm, definition I'm, I'm pretty speedy on the Google and uh, it it is an adjective a descriptive word, right? It's having or displaying a passionate intensity. How often? Oh, there's not an oftenness on this. Continuous, continuously. 
so it's a passionate intensity and yeah continuous is certainly would be a part of that if you had Could to be. look at the word intense what does that look like the word intense if we're going to play with words and this is about prayer right okay what does it mean to be intense or intent which is the root of it right so we've got extreme force degree or strength or having or showing strong feelings or opinions extremely earnest or serious so just intense is an extremity in, in, an amount of extremeness um, strong feelings strong opinions extreme force could you put in the word definitive purpose does intensity would... have definitive purpose do you pray with purpose That's a good question. And what did Jesus say about asking? Don't ask unless he expect it to be answered. What else did he say? You have not because you? Ask not. And if you're going to ask, how do you ask? With expectation, with purpose. You ask with the will of God. Right. Otherwise, what does your prayer do? Falls flat. It doesn't meet the target. It goes amiss. Some people will interpret that verse as saying, when you ask amiss, that you didn't ask for the right thing. But the reality is, is you didn't ask with the, for the will of God. That's why it went amiss. Right. Right. And that goes to, um, that kind of brings me back to um, one of the verses that I think a lot of our translations actually kind of have backwards. It's um, more of a figure of speech in the Greek, um, in the way that it's presented. Um, when Jesus tells Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever Doesn't you bind on way. earth will be bound in heaven. And it's, well, it's a, it's a figure of speech, and what it really means is whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. So if we are praying to loose that which hasn't been loosed, if it's bound in heaven and we're praying it for, for it to be loosed, that, that's just not going to happen. If we're praying for it to be bound and it's not bound in heaven, it's just not going to happen. But if we know the will of God and we're praying for the will of God to be done, if it's already bound, but on earth it's loose and we pray for it to be bound, it will be bound. So, Clarification. Clarification yeah. is Jesus' own words. Right. In his own words, he clarified that where he says, on earth, as it is in heaven. Right your will to be done here as it's already done there. Right, exactly. And that was in the Lord's Prayer. That was in the Lord's Prayer. It's funny about the Lord's Prayer. Do you know how the Lord's Prayer came about? The circumstances? Well, the disciples asked, how do we but, pray? But why did they ask that question? They asked, I know the answer. I know the answer. I just want you to explain it. You, you explain it so much better than I do. Well, when I read that word, the disciples 
had asked Jesus to teach them to pray. I says, well, first of all, I says, they've been with Jesus and they saw his miracles. Yep. That was pretty miraculous. Yes, it was. So why wouldn't the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to do miracles? I guarantee I would probably ask to, to learn how to perform miracles. Well, let's take, let's take another vein. The thing is, is that Jesus was quite a teacher and he had a lot of different things to say and uh, he said it very well. Yes, he so, did. So why didn't the disciples ask Jesus, well, teach us how to preach? Teach me how to be an eloquent and captivating public speaker. Exactly. Because he was. Exactly. He absolutely was. And some, and, of, and some of those disciples had problems with their, um, with their uh, um, vocabulary as well as their um, speaking talents. Some of them were scared to death to speak. Right. I can't imagine... Um, Peter, as a career fisherman, was a very eloquent public speaker. He probably to had begin to clean with. up his language. He may have had to. <laughs> I've known a couple of fishermen. He probably had to clean up his language. Now, my thoughts were based upon the previous observation of the disciples. Yep. The disciples got to see Jesus leaving their group frequently, and the Bible says, and he would go off alone into the wilderness to pray right and now you and i have discussed another word for wilderness what was that word that most associates with jesus's character when he went into the wilderness what is the synonymous word for wilderness creation creation Yes. Yeah, Jesus went to his own creation, mm -hmm. actually his and his father's and the Holy Spirit's creation, right. to spend time communing with his father. There's something interesting about Jesus. He's the son of God. Yes. But yet he still needs instruction from his father. Right. So did Jesus do anything out of his own will? No. Who was, who was he subservient to? His father. He was subservient to his father. Who are we subservient to? Uh, usually ourselves. I'm really good at that one. But who are we supposed to be subservient to? To the father. Okay, who else? To Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. When you think about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Yep. In our lives, you are in my lives, okay? What do they do? What do they do? What's their position in our lives? To lead and to guide us. Okay. Before that. To love us. Bef well, they loved us even be they loved us even before while we were yet sinners. Okay. So what did they do? They forgave us. They led us to themselves. Right. Okay. They let it. They shared themselves with us, so we could be part of them. Right. So. Right. Now what happens is this. When we pray. Whom do we pray to? We pray to God. And who's God? The Father. Who else? Jesus. What's Jesus' position before the Father? The Son. Advocate. Right. Okay. We actually take our prayers to Jesus, and Jesus takes them to his Father. When Jesus was in the wilderness, and he was praying in that wilderness to his Father, what do you think he was praying about? all sorts of things 
Do you know what the greatest burden was on Jesus' heart? What was that? Men perishing. Yep. Okay, men who were already separated from God that would remain separated from God for all eternity. Mm -hmm. This is what was on his heart. And the Word of God says what's important to Jesus, okay, that none, he calls all men unto himself, so they would not perish. Right. So the the reason God has been so uh long-suffering and the reason Jesus has not come back yet is so that God can capture all that will be. All that want to be. Yep. All that want to be. Now, then that brings us to the point is, who is this character called the Holy Spirit? Who is he? And why is he important? And what does he do? You usher it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Spirit of God is part of the Trinity non non corporeal right not a not jesus jesus came and walked as a man on earth and the holy spirit doesn't do that and the holy spirit lives and dwells inside of us as believers we are the temple for the holy spirit so consider that um he lives in us he guides us he teaches us he forgives us. He corrects us. He chastises us. That's where um, when I screw up, when I sin, which I do, I'm, I'm a sinner. God knows that. When I sin, it's the Holy Spirit that lives within me that tells me, hey, that was sinful what you just did. And you need to feel bad about it. And you need to repent about it. And you need to ask forgiveness and correct that behavior. And then it's up to me to actually do those things. And we've talked about it before. The Holy Spirit is always a gentleman and will not impose on our and trample on our free will. So he tells me it's a sin. I screwed up. I need to repent, confess. And if I do, that's wonderful. And if I don't, that's my choice. And so the Holy Spirit does allow me to do that. The Holy Spirit also, in a lot of ways, will guide and direct. There have been there have been a few times in my life, and um, I can think of one very specific example um, in the last year where somebody that I haven't been connected to for a very long time, their name is in my head. I don't know why. I don't know why this person keeps coming into my head. Why their name? I haven't had contact for years. And after a day, two days, three days of this name keep coming to me, I finally had I finally got smart I bet I'm supposed to pray for that person and wouldn't you know it I prayed for the person and the name is no longer a constant thing in my in my head and now 
you know, think about the person more frequently and pray for them again. But, you know, the Spirit does those kinds of things, prompts us, guides us, leads us, teaches us, corrects us, chastises, does all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, the kid, I'm going to go back to when I was a kid watching cartoons. Just sounds like trouble. It does sound like <laughs> trouble. Okay. Um, this is an analogy. It is in absolutely no way accurate or well, it's accurate, but it's not, it's not perfect by any stretch. It's just a simple, um, illustration per when I was a kid, I watched cartoons. You watched like the Looney Tunes, right? And when they were, when the character was faced with the choice, what what happened? Right? They had an angel on oh, one shoulder, and the devil on the other, and the devil on the other. That looked surprisingly like the character in question, right? If it was Bugs Bunny, you'd see a Bugs Bunny with the halo and the white garb and telling bugs you got to do the right thing and you'd have a devil you'd have bugs with you know red bugs with horns and a pitchfork saying no you want to do the the fun thing or the whatever was evil in that particular case and you know that's an interesting analogy for the battle of the battle of the mind the battle of the mind and you know um what am i trying to say here um our nature our sinful nature versus the nature of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, right? Because our human nature wants to do everything the, you know, red-horned, pitchfork-carrying version of us wants to do, and the one that has the halo and the white garb, that's the Holy Spirit that lives within us, and they're constantly trying to influence our decisions and what we're doing. And so, so yeah, like I said, by... By no means is that a perfect analogy, but it is a bit of a illustration personification of who the Spirit is. You know, it's interesting. In John chapter 3, mm-hmm. everybody knows John 3.16. Yes. But not many people will focus on the following verse. No, they don't, and it's really a tragedy that they don't. And that verse says... Jesus was not sent into the world to condemn the world, but the whole world through him might be saved. Yeah. And you know what they might be saved from? Themselves. That guy on his shoulder, that chip on your shoulder. Yep. Okay. The Bible also says there's a remedy. There is. The remedy is, is, is that whatever you think upon, and then it tells you what you should be thinking upon. And that was the verse that you were talking about earlier in Philippians. Yes, it is. You want to repeat that verse again, Dustin? Whatsoever things are. Oh, give me just a second. I will have it for you. I'll I'll read it right out of here. Before you read that while you're looking for it, let me state this, okay? Aren't you glad that you don't have to stand on your own righteousness? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Do you realize there was a period of time that God accounted it unto men, okay, certain men, righteousness? But what did they have to do to have that accounting? 
Well, they had to have perfection through the law. They had to listen to God. Right. They had to obey God. They had to talk to God. They had to deal with God, what would please God. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Abraham is one of those people that his his um, it was accounted to him as his righteousness. Yes, it was. Okay, because of his faith in God. But that's a lot of work because at that point in time, in order to show your true dedication, you had to offer animal sacrifices. You had to shed some some other animal's innocent blood, mm -hmm. okay, in place of your own in order to admit to the fact that you had sinned. Yes. But now we don't have to do that because we have one lamb that was sacrificed for us for all time. Yes. And that's Jesus Christ. Now, what things should we be thinking upon so we have the right mental attitude? And you want to know something? You can't pray unless you're thinking about those things. We should be focused on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, we are to dwell on these things. Dwell. Yes. Dwell. Dwell. And I um, I think we've talked about it before, the, the Hebrew... Um, to meditate was really to chew, right? To like a cow chews on a cud. That that was their idea of medicate or meditation, not medication. Um, and I I very much get that same that same impression from this word dwell and the use of it here. That we should be really focused and only really chewing on that which is good, honorable, just, commendable. You know, we shouldn't spend... Um, it's the chew and spit method, right? You take a bite. I, I'm not a fan of mushrooms. So if there's a big chunk of mushroom in that, in that scoop of soup or whatever it was that I just, you know took a bite of or whatever I might spit that mushroom out so dwell on what's good spit out what isn't the prayers of a righteous man or a saved man yep. are effective and avail much if I say to you prayers that are effective and avail much what am I saying about those prayers? They're answered. They're powerful. Yes. Okay, and the fact is, is, is that if a church wants to have a powerful ministry, mm -hmm. if we ourselves as individuals want to be powerful in the name of the Lord, we can't do that unless we go to the Lord to allow him to share his power in his mission, mm -hmm. okay, with us if you don't ask you don't receive if you don't ask you don't know right now one of the things that i'm glad about is is that the holy spirit whether i'm thinking about it or not is going to go knock knock i'm going to say who's there 
Yep. And he's going to say, you know who. I said, oh, you again? Yep. <laughs> and he says, hey, just reminding you, you need to pray about this. Oh, by the way, I know what you're thinking. I've already sent the request upstairs, okay? Yep. But the boss says he wants to hear it from you. <laughs> <laughs> so, subsequently, I am glad that the Holy Spirit prays for me when I'm not even thinking about that I should be praying. Yes. And how often did Paul say to pray? Unceasingly. Unceasingly. Without, without stopping. Constantly. Continuously. Now, where do you think he learned that? The Saul, the man Saul, before he became Paul, right. do you think that he was a man of prayer? Not in the same way. I think if he, he, was, if he a, was, probably not in the same way. I think I think he was a man of legal action, mm -hmm. and that's what he was focusing on. Yep. But once Jesus came into his life, he developed the quality of effective prayer. Right. Some of the things that happened in Paul's life are unexplainable. They are. So. There had to have been a powerful force acting on his behalf. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that those of us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior have that same powerful force if we only allow that same powerful force. So, what is prayer? Prayer in the simplest definition is talking with God. What are you going to talk about? Everything. 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 When does prayer become powerful? When you're righteous. According to prayer what becomes you've been prayer yeah. becomes powerful when God is on the move. Yes. Okay. The fact is is just that it isn't us praying that makes things happen. It's no. us praying that starts, that initiates God to make things happen. Right, when my state of being doesn't necessarily have an impact on whether or not God's gonna answer that prayer. And I can tell you that with 100% assuredness because at my lowest, the lowest of my low points when I was as despicable as I had ever been God answered prayer mm -hmm. and it was a moment where I was willing to give up and so not to give up to him right I was, I was willing to say you know what I don't know I can't fix this. I can't do it. I, I give it all to you. And God answered powerfully prayers in that time. Um, so I was definitely not living as a righteous man. No, I know Jesus. That's what makes me righteous to God. Um, but it's God's will. Do I know what God's will is? 
if what I'm praying for is what God wants to happen, then sometimes God waits for us to ask so that he can answer it. That's pretty incredible. There's a book written by a, a girl who actually went to, she was at Liberty College before it was a university. Her name was Nancy DeMoss. She wrote a book recently called Heaven Rules. And bottom line is she's really telling Daniel's story. And you know what? All through Daniel's life, things weren't always rosy for Daniel. No. But you know what? Heaven rules because it took those circumstances and it changed the kingdom. Yep. It changed several kingdoms. Yes, it did. And the thing is, 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 is that even kings had to kneel and acknowledge that God is greater than any other God in the universe or in the world. Yep. And Nebuchadnezzar declared that. And so did Darius. And so did Darius. And so did Cyrus. And so did Cyrus after Darius, but... Not Belshazzar. I was just going to say, the only one that didn't died that very night. Right. Right. The, the spoiled grandson. Yes. Right. Yes. Exactly. So what happens is, is this. I think we minimize in the church. We listen to the music. Yep. We hear the sermon. But we minimize the effectiveness of prayer. Yet we have prayer lists that say pray for this or pray for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll pray for this person. I'll pray for this situation. But yet we don't put enough emphasis upon it because I don't think that we do enough teaching about what it really is, the importance of being able to have a relationship to God where you can talk to him, just talk to him. Unfortunately, in our liturgical society, they've complicated the way we pray, but they don't have to because we don't have to have a lot of words that we don't understand. Right. And we don't have to have um, great salutations and greetings in order for God to hear us. The reality is, is, is that God is within us, the Holy Spirit. Yes. We don't have to rely upon the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit wasn't given unto men who believed in Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost had to come upon, fall upon men mm-hmm. to be able to impress God's will upon those men what to do. But we are far greater off with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ than they were. Right. But you know what? We don't give credit where credit's due. We still try to take the reins and do it ourselves. But when we do that, we usually do it what the Word says is we do it amiss. Right. We're not going to succeed because we're not involving we're not involving our Savior. We're just about as effective as a uh, DC electric motor hooked up to an AC power source. Well, I think we're just as effective as <laughs> as a hamster in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> we, we may be exp- expending energy, but getting nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned about teaching about prayer. I'm going to go back to the beginning of our conversation. We kind of both admitted that there's a whole lot that we don't know. Yeah, we can't talk about what we don't know, so I guess we'll have to 
study and learn and that's what I'm working on right now yep. is studying and learning you know I thought salvation was great and salvation is great but it salvation is. is just the beginning it's the beginning of our eternity it is and but the reality is is, is that do I want to be able to have a relationship that understands God he already understands me but the thing is, is, is that unless I, and the Bible says I have to, um, I have to, I have to seek, and I have to knock, mm -hmm. and if I seek and I knock, then the answer will come. Now, seek and knock. How do you seek and knock as a Christian? You've got to pray, and you've you got, got to spend time in the Word. You got to ask. Yep. You got to ask. So. It's amazing. Some people go to church and they say that makes them a Christian. Some people. But it doesn't make them a Christian. No, it doesn't. Some people will even say they pray. Mm -hmm. But does that make them a Christian? Not necessarily. Can a person have a powerful prayer without the Holy Spirit living within them? I think they can. How? Why do you think they can? Because sometimes God uses people who don't belong to him in order to accomplish what he has set forth to accomplish. Pharaoh's the classic example. So, yeah, I think there are people that uh, have prayed to God and it's been responded to in a very powerful way. And I think there will continue to be people who pray to God that don't know him don't believe in him and why do you think he is answering those prayers because it's in his will and part of his great design to do so maybe he's drawing them into a position of dependence right if I can't say I've known anybody who as a non-believer has prayed and had a prayer powerfully answered and to be able to see what what result that is but I know my experience and I can only imagine because when I've had prayers answered powerfully it draws me closer to him I can only imagine that if you don't know God but he still answers your prayer you that know, would be a powerfully powerfully magnetic force to pull you towards him is the Holy Spirit not only is he also in us but is he in the world oh absolutely and one of his jobs is to woo us to draw us mm -hmm. unto himself yes and one of the ways that he does that is as he impresses upon us even if we don't know much about Jesus right Okay, he impresses upon us in our, probably in our most neediest moments, mm -hmm. to call upon God. And yep. what does the word say? If you call upon God, what will he do? He shows up. He will answer you. Yep. But then you got to think about what just happened. You really do. What just happened. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is, is, is that the Holy Spirit will soften your human spirit mm -hmm. to inquire 
of who he is and what just happened. And if the Holy Spirit always does his job, the Holy Spirit's job is to point you to Jesus. Right. It isn't the Holy Spirit that you worship. No. It's Jesus that you worship because it yeah. was it's Jesus' blood that saved you. The Holy Spirit shed no blood. God shed no blood except that he gave his son. Right. So, how important is prayer? Incredibly. So, why don't we know how to pray? I don't know. It's, uh, well, you mentioned before that, uh, you know, part of the major denominations, you know, doesn't matter, Catholic, Protestant, you could even say Greek Orthodox or any Orthodox, right? Organized religion. Organized religion, right, where there is a um, highly liturgical setting there are pre-made prayers, pre-written prayers. For everything. Yes. For almost literally everything. And for one argument, that's right and good. Because Jesus gave us his example, and he said, when you pray, say these words. Pray like this. Right. Pray like this. And... So he gave us a sample prayer to use. A template. Yes. And we should use it as a template. And there are times there is value in going back to praying the words as Jesus gave us to pray them. And so I think there is a value in those pre-made prayers. However, we're not really taught how to pray outside of that. And I'm I'm gonna say, because this is this is this is a burr in my saddle, okay? When we teach the Psalms, when we talk about prayer, when we do these things, we ignore the lament. Because that's not happy. Right? That's not a feel-good thing. Lament is hard, and it hurts. It's anguish, and it's suffering, and we want to pretend that doesn't exist. So when we get into the Psalms, which are some absolutely beautiful prayers that people are praying in the early, in, in God's community, we tend to ignore the ones that are hard. That talk about the hard things where there is you know 20 verses or whatever of this really really sucks but you're God and I trust you and I love you and I know you're going to take care of me we don't focus on those and they're beautiful and they're powerful and so I think just culturally we've almost just eliminated a whole bunch of different examples of prayer that we need because like you said when do we go to God even if we don't know him when do we go to God it's in the low points 
Well, let's look at how David prayed in the low points. Let's look at how Asaph prayed in the low points. Let's look at how Moses prayed in the low points. And instead, we kind of skip across the top of the mountain, the top of the mountain range. We skip over the valleys, and we don't go through them. I think we do that in a lot of ways. And the other thing, and this is just kind of a personal observation and maybe a personal criticism towards myself, is that I just don't spend enough time in the Psalms to begin with. And I think if we are really focused on learning to pray and figuring out what is this thing called prayer, I think that's probably the number one place to start. When I was younger, 50 years younger to be exact, okay. I shouldn't be talking that far back. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was younger, I had my mentor in seminary. His office was right off the parking lot door. Okay. And I would come in, and the first thing I would do is I would look to see if he was in his office. And invariably, no matter what time I got there, whether it would be 6.30 or 5.30 or 7 o'clock, he'd always have a hard wooden chair, and he'd be kneeling at it praying consistently mm -hmm. early in the morning. And so one day, when he wasn't in prayer, I didn't want to interrupt him while he was in prayer. One day I said to him, Dr. Hughes, and he says, what? And I says, I've noticed when I come in early in the morning to check the building, I says, you're already here. And I says, and you're on your knees, I says, in prayer. He says, yes, that's the way I start my day. And I said to him, I says, why do you get on your knees? He says, did not Jesus get on his knees? Hadn't thought about that. I says, okay, even if Jesus got on his knees, I says, why do you get on your knees? He says, it puts me in right position. I says, what do you mean, right position? He says, I can't do much else on my knees. I can't go anywhere. Right. I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Whatever else is next, it's not going to happen because I'm on my knees. Right. He says, so, he says, it puts me in right position with God. And I said, what kind of position is that? He says, well, he says, I pray two ways. Well, what's two ways? I thought there's only one way to pray. He says, no. He says, he says, I pray vertically. And he says, then I pray horizontally. Yep. Uh, explain it. He says, I explain for the things that are on my heart. He says, and in the world I live in, and for your students, and for the school. He says, that's horizontally. Mm -hmm. He says, and then I pray vertically for God's will to be done. And he says, then I sit and I wait for an answer. I says, you wait for an answer? He says, yeah. I says, what if he doesn't answer? He says, he answers. He says, the problem is, is if I get up before he answers, he says, I broke the chain of prayer. Yep. I says, there's a chain of prayer? He says, not really a chain of prayer. He says, but he says, if you stop the prayer, he says, then you stopped the prayer. Right. He says, until you get a release that you've heard from God and it's time to end your prayer and to do the next thing that he tells you to do. He says, you got to remember, there's always the next thing. 
He says, you won't do the right thing if you don't know the next thing. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you go to somebody with a request or question, you don't just deliver that and walk away. Right? I wouldn't I wouldn't come up to you on Sunday morning and say, Hi, how are you? How was your week? And then keep walking as if I'd said nothing. Just why don't you just give me a post-it note? Just stick it on me. Right. <laughs> right. It's no better. That's right. Post-it note says, I don't care. Yeah. It says... This is one-sided. This is one-way communication. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Do you have any more thoughts about prayer, Dustin? I got lots of thoughts about prayer. I think we're going to have to... I told you, we're not finished. We're not finished. No, we're not finished. We're not finished. What's the most important thing we've talked about in prayer today? Oh, that's a tough question. I just think probably just being in God's will. I think the fact is, is that I have no power unto myself. Right. That I have to rest in his power. Right. For anything to be done. But the most important thing to me about prayer, I'm not alone. Right. Okay. I have him within me. I have him beside me. I have him guiding me. I have him helping me. And even the things that I don't see in the future, he has already seen before me. Yes. So, can I trust myself? No. Who can I trust? We can trust God. We can trust God. So, But therefore, how will you know what to do if you do not talk to God? You won't. You won't. And if you don't know what to do, what normally happens? I usually screw up. It's called, oops. Yeah. What happened? Didn't mean to do that. All right. We alluded to a song early. We did allude to a song. Very early in the conversation. Yes, and this will tell you a little bit about what prayer is. Yes. Okay, and if you listen to the song, you can play it yourself in many different versions, but if you listen to the song, Go into the song. Become part of the song. Yes. Okay? And find yourself in the presence of God. So would you play the song about finding ourselves in the presence of God? Yes, I will. Um, I don't think I'm going to play the whole song just because of time constraints and... Um, sorry. Uh, my mind blanked uh, because of time because of how we are time wise and um, we don't have any copyright to play the song so this is In the Garden by Anne Murray and like I said we don't have any rights or anything we're just going to play a short clip of the song and you can go and listen to the whole thing but I would certainly recommend listen to the chorus listen to the chorus listen to the song Put yourself into it. Brilliant idea. I come to the garden alone While the dew 
There's a word in that song that most of us neglect. What's that word? The word tarry. Yep. Which means to? To just be there and delay any leaving or changing. Wait. Yep. And Isaiah says, as we wait upon the Lord, Right. what does he do? He renews our strength. Yep. And you know, there's another verse in the Bible, if you want to be an effective Christian. What's that? That verse says we go from faith to faith, from glory Mm -hmm. unto glory. Yes. Okay? If you want to know the glory of God, you have to be in faith. Yes. That's all I have for today. Stay tuned for next week. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in and spending the time, and I uh, look forward to a further examination of I'm, this thing we call prayer. I'm sure that the Lord will reveal to me what's on his heart in the next coming week. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Thank you.